following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. This morning, it's going to be important to have the word in front of you. So if you want to pull up on your device or your Bible, if you have it with you, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. That's where we will be this morning. So, the awkwardness of me getting into a stool in front of all you. Mission accomplished. All right, so I want to start off this morning thinking back. I have some pictures up here that I'm going to cue Jonathan on. The first one here is a picture of the first gathering of Narrative Church. So for those of you who may be new with us, who who may not have been around since the beginning, the way Narrative Church came together was uh, Faith Lutheran Church in Georgetown saw the growth happening in this part of Williamson County and said, hey, we think it would be great for us to put a church in that area. So what they did was um, Paul and Becky Krentz helped lead some discussion on that at Faith. Uh, Pastor Walt Poland helped facilitate that as well. They brought in different church planters to talk about it and hear about it. And then after a time, they called me from the seminary, straight out of seminary. I was fresh off my Master's of Divinity. Um, They called me and Chelsea down here to plant this church. That was the summer of 2014. And we spent about eight months just getting our feet on the ground, getting things going. And in 2015... We started meeting together, and this is, to my knowledge, the first picture of us coming together as a church. I don't even know if we had narrative as a name yet, but this was Paul and Becky Krentz's living room, and it went from zero to about 15, 20 people, and we packed out their living room, and it was a great time of discussion, of hearing what the church might be, what it could look like, and where we could go. Uh, This next picture... Um, I believe, I can't quite turn around. Is this a picture of a soundboard? Sweet. I remembered. So this is one of the first band practices that if you ever visited our house in Old Town, Chelsea and I rented this small house that (coughs) when you walked to the door, you could feel the air conditioning leaking onto you. I never hoped to have that kind of utility bill ever again. There was no insulation between the walls and the sheetrock. I remember there was just the comedy of getting into this house, but the guys who were in it before us left, and the company that was taking care of it were like, you need to be in it tomorrow. We were like, great. And we showed up, we're like, there are holes in the drywall. So they sent out a handyman. The handyman brings me over, he goes, So you know, there's no insulation between this drywall and outside. He's like, that's your exterior wall. And I said, awesome. I don't own this house. Otherwise, we'd take care of that. (coughs) And so it was a small old house. I mean, to the point where it was like, you know, built in the days where you wanted that very kind of sectioned off rooms 
where we needed our couches in a back room to be our living room area to the point where Matt and Deanna were still living here before they had moved to Pennsylvania and then since moved back. But to get our couch to the back room, I kid you not, Matt and Deanna and I had been trapped in the front room because we're turning this couch around a corner and Matt is reaching over the couch with a drill to take off the door of a canning closet that's a quarter of an inch thick. And that's what cleared the couch to go the rest of the way down the hallway. Just a brilliant moment. But here is the band together. After Paul and I had driven up and picked up our sound system and it was living in our house, and this was their first rehearsal. It was so cool. Then throughout that summer, we had community group gatherings. We had what we called storyboard worship, which was us all cramming into that house to worship together and talk about what it would be like to be meeting here. And then this is not our actual launch service, the next picture here, but this is one of those preview services. So that was, I think, August of 2015. And what a blessing for us to come together and meet here. And finally, there's a picture of us being sent at faith. There was a group of folks, some of you started at faith, some of you have joined us since then, but there was a sending out that we were prayed over, we were blessed, we were sent to do this work. Now, what's really cool is as I looked through those pictures, as I remembered the process of where we are, it has been a bit of a roller coaster. The Lord has blessed us the whole way. But I'll tell you what, January 2020, we were going gangbusters. It was like we're setting out new chairs every week. It's exploding. Look at what the Lord's doing. And then all of a sudden, it was like, throw on the brakes. And I remember the call from Refugia, who's the head custodian here at, at Hopewell. And I'll tell you, Matt and I and our leadership team were three days ahead of every major decision we had to make. The Lord was blessing us on the journey because we knew what we were going to do if the school shut down. We knew what we were going to do, um, you know, a week out, two weeks out. But what happens, Refusia calls us, it's the Friday before spring break, Friday of spring break. She goes, we're pretty sure they're going to shut us down. Come get whatever you need to get which was an incredible phone call because all of our stuff is here in a shed. So Matt brings, at this point, he doesn't have his truck. He just has um, their Subaru. I bring my truck and we go, this, not that, this, not that, this, not that, this, not. And we get basically everything we need to do portable worship for what we thought would have, you know, for a month. And that month became two, became three, became how do we live stream, which I'm still impressed. If you go back to one of our earliest live streams, it looks like it's on VHS. I don't know how we accomplished that, but we did. I still remember getting the text from my mother-in-law going, you guys sound like demons. <laughs> and Matt and I went back and watched, and sure enough, somehow we managed to get the live stream. So we sounded like this. I mean, it was... I couldn't repl like replicate it now, but it happened. 
I remember the ups and downs of trying to find a place to worship that wasn't outside, even though we were so blessed by Wrench Brewery that, I mean, as churches were struggling with, you know, we have these buildings and we're losing money, like Narrative was making money because Wrench never charged us to use their beer garden. But at the same time, I remember the wind tunnel that was Christmas 2020. If you were there for Christmas Eve 2020, like you are the frozen chosen. Because it was 40 degrees outside. And then the Lord said, you know what? All the wind in Williamson County, I'm going to move it through the beer garden. And that was the coldest I've ever been preaching. We had hand warmers. People were bringing extra blankets. You know, it was all this stuff. We finish. And Matt comes up to me and goes, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why? He goes, I rushed everything. And I said, Matt, no one cared. <laughs> it was the most I've been like, uncomfortable Christmas. I bet this is how, you know, maybe not cold, but Mary and Joseph were uncomfortable that first Christmas. I remember the possibilities of a few rental spaces that fell through. I remember us looking at a space to say, this could be a, like a permanent 24-hour place. And I'll tell you the blessing of our leadership team that we had about a third of the people going, this is it. A third of the people going, all right, let's think about our people as we do this. And a third of our folks going, you understand what this costs. And we just prayed and said, Lord, give us a sign, yes or no. And when we sent in a letter of intent and the landlord came back and said, ha this is not a negotiation. This is what you'll pay. We were like, all right, Lord, that's what we needed. That's a no. I remember I, I called the school district about once a month. I got to know the people in their central plant who, you know, were in charge of all the facilities. I was praying for them. They were having surgeries. They were having things with their kids. And I'm like, well, can we pray about that? Is that cool? Like, and we're doing that. So then when I got the phone call, hey, we just had the meeting. The schools are opening up. <sighs> awesome. I call Hopewell. They're like, Hopewell just needs to clear you. And I call Eva Vick, who was up here. I said, Eva, it's Ted Daring. We miss you guys. Hope you're doing well. Could we come back for worship? And there was, after a year and a half of being ghosted, of hesitation, of having dreams get shattered, uh, of places and things, and Eva's words were, not only can you come back, we want you back. That even after a year of, a couple years of ups and downs, to hear that, to go, this is where the Lord needs us. That even as we've grown and shrunk, even as we've had those things happen, as we look back over those pandemic years, it feels like the brakes came on. I can tell you the blessing in the midst of that was that the Lord was faithful to us. That he didn't let this church slide. He said, this is my church. And I show you those pictures. I tell you these stories because what we're going to read in 1 John today has implications of how God works in that way. Because as we come together as a church, we say what we want to do is we want to be disciples living the story of Jesus. That's who we want to be. Well, today in 1 John 4, it's going to say, love one another. That's living the story of Jesus, loving one another. 
But it's interesting as John writes in this chapter how we do that, how that functions. So let's take a look. We're going to start in John, and this is John chapter 4. We're going to start in verses 1 through 3. So John writes this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So if we look at the top of that, verse 1, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. This is an interesting idea, especially to us in a more modern age. You know, you look at at Jesus and what he's encountering, what his disciples are encountering, and where they are, and there's this realization of everything has a spiritual aspect. Now, where we are at times, we can explain some things and say, oh, well, you know, that could be this, or it could be that, or it could be, and so maybe we try and science some of those things. Now, don't hear me saying that's wrong, but instead saying, I think we can have both a scientific explanation and it also have spiritual implications, that I don't think those are separate. I think science and faith are actually very interwoven, that just because I know how it happens doesn't mean it's not an effect from the spiritual world. So, John writes and says, test the spirits. Great. Now, what he's not saying is like, you know, pull out a multiplication test and be like, listen up, demons. Fill out this multiplication table. Think of it like this. When was the last time you were encountering a problem and something in you started feeling off? Let me me give it to you like this. Um, I think of times in my life where certain aspects of what God says about me, I begin to question. Right? So, I start looking and thinking, well, God must mean that for for other people, but not for me. Uh, For me, and in my development as someone who follows Jesus, that's dealt a lot with legalism and saying, yeah, there's grace enough for everyone else, but I've been the pastor's kid, the youth group leader, the college group leader, the seminarian, the now pastor. So everybody else gets grace, but no, I got to work. I got to earn it. And there's this lying voice that'll start whispering to me about that that God has said one thing, and now something else is coming along. Now, whether we say this as, the the spirits of the age, the enemy working against us, is a great liar. He takes and twists things that are good and beautiful and tries to speak lies into our life. If you actually look here, the word for spirit is pneuma. 
That's the Greek word used here. Now, what I love about that, you hear that panuma. Where does that show up in English a lot? Air, pneumatics, right? Pneumatics? Pneumatic? Thank you. Y'all, I'm still getting over COVID. So if I, if I lose train of thought, just someone will shout at me and we'll be back. But you know, it, it's, it, we get this spiritual idea, but it also means the breath, the air, a, a breeze. And have you ever felt that lie and it just feels like this little whisper, this little breath? in your ear. I think, you know, a great example and understanding of this is if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, especially the two towers, that you have a king of Rohan, and he has just fallen apart, and it's because one of his advisors is actually working for his enemy and is whispering in his ear. And it's not that he's telling huge lies, he's just pulling over time has pulled the king aside enough, 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 that now he believes the lies instead of the truth. So here when John writes and says, test the spirits, watch what he follows this with. He says, the spirit of God is every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. The spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So how do you test the spirits? If that voice, if that whisper or that lie is saying anything to you that is against the promises of Jesus, you know that that is a spirit of the enemy. Now, whether we talk about that as anxiety, as depression, um, as uncertainty, as spiritual warfare? I think the answer is yes. It falls into all of those realms. What John is saying is he's saying, listen, these spirits are going to come. And in fact, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, we sometimes get this idea of the Antichrist that he's going to be a dude and he's going to show up and there's going to be this big thing. And okay, not really. It's about anything that is against Jesus. Anti. Christ. And the chief way the enemy works is to try and convince us that the promises of Jesus are not for us. Maybe they're for other people, or maybe they're not true at all. So when we test the spirits, what we're looking to say is, what are the promises of Jesus? And if I'm listening to this voice, if I'm listening to this idea, if I'm believing this thing that is anti the promises of Jesus, okay, I know where that spirit comes from. Notice how John finishes this section, verses 4 through 6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let me say that again. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He'll go on to say, we are from God. So what he's doing here is he's bringing us back 
to our identity. And I love that he says, little children, because how often do you enjoy being called that, right? You know what I need more in my life? Someone condescendingly calling me little children, right? That's, that's the voice I'm going to use when I'm like, listen up, you dummies. But I think John is using this as a term of endearment. He's saying little children, not as like, you fools. He's saying little children, those of you who belong to the family of God. How many of us wouldn't love to go back even for a short time to an age of innocence, of childhood? What John is saying here is the power of God is that even as you grow, as you age, as you mature, you are still under the protection, the love, the identity of your Father in heaven. So you are little children. Not because you are foolish, even though we are, but instead because your identity is anchored in the family of God. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When those lies come up, when the spirits come against you, when you run into those places, I'm not saying it's easier. I'm saying the power of the Lord walks alongside you. In anxiety, in fear, in depression, in all of those things, the power of the Lord speaks and declares, you are a child of God. Now, where does he go from here? We're going to look at 7 through 21 as a big block, and I'm going to pull out different verses. Let's just look at 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So once again, John uses this term of endearment, beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. He's basically saying, listen, if you're part of the family, this is the gift you get. You get to love one another. A few verses down, he'll say this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Remember that idea of manifest we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is that idea that seems out there in, you know, in the ether is now made flesh. So not only is this talking now about Jesus was made flesh, but the love of God is made reality in and through us. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So propitiation, the payment for our sins. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. In some of those early pictures, you um, might have seen, some of you know him, some of you may have heard of him. Uh, our, my first teammate was a guy named John Zock. John is now at seminary studying to be a pastor, but one thing he would constantly remind me, I was really annoying, is whenever we talk about um, people ask, you know, well, how many did you worship on Sunday? And John's answer was always one we worshiped one. And I was like, yeah, John, people are asking attendance, not theological issues. But it was a good joke. 
great joke even. But one thing he always reminded me was when we come together on Sundays, we're not here to serve God. He's here serving us. So many times we get caught up in the idea that as Christians, we are here to serve God for his sake. Um, to say, look, everything I do is to the glory of God, which is true. But we can get that twisted in our heads to say, well, I serve God, and that's what I do, and so he needs my service. God doesn't need your service. The love of God is this, and this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And there's actually a lot of freedom in that because if he loved us, then our love for one another is not about some way where we love other people because God needs us to love them. No, we love other people because God gives us as a gift to others. We love one another because he first loved us because then that love is freedom and a gift to give to other people that our love is not for us in some twisted form of works righteousness, but is instead about saying, my neighbor needs to be loved. Beloved, if, we love, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Further down, John says it like this, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And again, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. He'll end this section by saying, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. For he, whom, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We could look and say, okay, that's my litmus test. If I'm not loving my brothers and sisters in Christ or the brothers and sisters, the people God's put around me, oh, I'm not Christian. But what's the promise of Jesus? What, what have we read up ahead that he so loved us that he gave his son as a propitiation for our sins? So do I have to re-earn that propitiation? No, no, no. I, I lived a summer um, on Kodiak Island, Alaska. And every week they tested the tsunami siren very weird to live in a place where at the top of the hill it says tsunami safe zone. Where it's like, listen, if you hear the siren, I hope you can run up here. If not, hope you enjoy the ocean. A lot of times what we will do is that when God tells us to love others, what we say is, that's the tsunami. If I'm not loving others, that's the tsunami hitting me, dragging me out to sea, I'm a failure, I'm broken. No, no, no. When you look and say, I'm not loving my brothers and sisters, that's the siren. That's the warning. It's saying, listen, if you see in your life that you're struggling to love others, well, my commandment is that you do it. 
So if you're struggling with that, maybe you need to look back and remember the reason you are loved. John writes this section in such a brilliant way. Love comes from our identity. So how do we love one another? First, God gives us our identity. Through his son, through that redemption on the cross, we are saved. That makes us the family of God. From that identity, we are gifted the authority of the family. As we are family of the king, so we are gifted his authority and his power. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to love one another. We are gifted authority and power from God to love one another. Now, if we mix that up and we say, my power comes from how I love people and there I find my identity. No, no, no. My identity is in Jesus. I'm a little child of God. And I've seen everything he's done for me. And so then I love others. Because from my identity, from the family, from that forgiveness is the deep well of the ability to love others. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for the time we have here this morning. Lord, we pray that you would bless us as we go out. Lord, teach us to love from a place of identity. Lord, let us rest knowing that the spirits are lying, trying to pull us aside, but the Spirit of the Lord gives us power because of forgiveness and identity to walk into the world and love one another.